You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. To quote Captain Janeway from Voyager's Future's End Part 1, Time Travel. Ever since my first day in the job as a Starfleet captain, I swore I'd never let myself get caught in any of these godforsaken paradoxes. The future is the past. The past is the future. It all gives me a headache. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and you're with us. And it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Heather Barker. And I heard that in her voice. Thank you. I tried. Very lovely. (laughs) My very best. (laughs) Very good job. Tonight on Mission Log Live, it's time for more stories of Pike and Crew with Strange New World Season 2, Episode 3, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. If you would like to be a part of our live discussion, you know what to do. But if you're new to Mission Log Live or need a reminder, just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone. Or you can call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes. And the Earl Green of the Earl Green Room will let you right on in. Bring your own hot dogs if you want them. It's 4th of July weekend. Remember, it's really important once you get good hot dogs to enjoy them. That's one of the big messages of this episode. I know all the people in chat think so. So <laughs> let's uh, let's say hello to chat. First of all, uh, before we get that, though, hey, great to have you back with us, Heather. Um, I'm glad to be back on the show with you. And we have lots to talk about tonight. And I'm sure that people in chat have lots to talk about tonight. And here's the great thing about our chat. So we we open up kind of like the pre-show, like the let everyone kind of like, you know, take their chairs and take their seats, you know, 20 minutes out. So we had you know, Mark in there really early. We had one of the Pauls taking up his seat in the front row. Uh, we have Aaron here, Scott Palm. Hello. Scott Palm has a nice little emoji there, an alien emoji. <laughs> I, I is that a message? And were we supposed to get in the cosplay or something? We have the second Paul here. We have Paul Trotwine. Let's see if we get a third. So uh, scrolling, scrolling down. Um, it's always wonderful to have Heather in the chat because Heather takes care of the chat because sometimes I just drone on and completely forget about saying hi to the chat, but not tonight. Uh, we have John Arminio here. Hello, John. I always love saying the name Arminio. You know, I do. Uh, Richard, hello. Jane, hello. Uh, Cosmo, always good to have you here. We have David here. Uh, Matthew, all the way from Japan. Yes, uh, tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow, tonight. And then tomorrow on the Orville live show in Discord, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow, which will be really fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, a lot of alliteration in only two titles. Uh, Emily, thank you. You made it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, David's yeah. here. Hello, David. Dom, Carrie, so many friends, so many people. There's Alan. Um, I was really scrolling to see if we would get to BC to see if we would get an Alan Marine for the evening, but I'm sure that we are getting one in spirit. So how are you, Heather? How are you? Uh, are you excited for tonight? We have a lot to discuss. I am. I really am. We have had a, what a almost a week. Okay. Half a week of discussion on discord about this episode and mm-hmm. like, my brain has been going the whole time. Uh, so I have thoughts about the episode, but we'll get to those eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things we'll talk about in the break is the extension of kind of like what we're doing right now in this period of Mission Log Live covering Strange New Worlds with uh, your hosting the Strange New Worlds Season 2 live chat. So if you don't get in exactly what you want to say tonight, 
that is you or the audience or myself, there's always a second chance in Wednesday's live chat. So we'll get to that, you know, when we talk about Patreon and Discord. But for this week on Mission Log, just to do a little bit of housekeeping before we get really into the show, we have our coverage of Voyagers Season 3 with Worst Case Scenario. This is the penultimate episode of Season 3, because the episode after this would be the finale. And this is the episode where Tuvok is outed as a hollow novel author and... Well, after Bolana discovers a mysterious file during a routine data purge. So that's going to be a lot of fun talking about. And uh, what else is happening across all of our programming here on Roddenberry Podcasts, Heather? Well, first, I have to say that that sounds like a fanfic. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super excited to uh, rewatch that one and, and chat about it on Thursday. But in the meantime, you might notice that I am all murfed out. You can't see it. My glasses are murph colors, too. That mm-hmm. is because on Mission Log Prodigy, you, Norm, Char, and Earl have recently recorded a really important episode covering the official decision by Paramount Plus to cancel Star Trek Prodigy, Um, and you'll be talking about what the future is holding for season two. Mm -hmm. The episode just came out earlier today on July 3rd, and so highly recommend everybody go listen to that conversation, Um, hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. There's a petition out there. Go buy merchandise and listen to that podcast. Um, On Mission Log the Orville, Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verdi are currently covering the Orville graphic novels by David A. Goodman, set between seasons two and three. Please remember that these shows and more are available at podcast.runberry.com. And both can be enjoyed on YouTube as well. That address is youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. And now it is time. It is time for the longest recap ever because this show is so incredibly detailed. It's time for the recap of Strange New World Season 2, Episode 3, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, written by David Reed and directed by Amanda Rowe. Chief of Security La'an Noonien Singh has her hands full with security things, including the legalities of Chief Engineer Pelia's hoarded belongings from Earth that contain a stolen painting from the Louvre and tagged properties from the archaeology department in Vermont. Later in, gymna- in the gymnasium, La'an takes out her frustrations on Dr. Mabenga, who, during the course of their sparring session, offers her friendly counseling after noticing how off-balance she is both physically and emotionally. La'an brushes him off to go it alone, which Mbenga warns can be very lonely. Back on duty, La'an is startled by a flash of light. A human male in a gray suit appears and collapses in front of her. After inspecting him, a large bloody, large bloody swatch informs her that he was shot with a bullet. Before the mystery man dies, he hands La'an a device telling her to get to the bridge as he disappears in a wave of energy that courses through the corridor. Shortly after, Lamont emerges from the turbo lift and onto the Enterprise's bridge. However, the man in the captain's chair who turns towards her is not Captain Pike. Lamont tries to piece together what has happened as Captain Spock of the Vulcan ship Shirell appears on the viewing screen. Captain James T. Kirk of the United Earth Fleet ship Enterprise regretfully turns down the Vulcan's request for aid against the Romulans, citing there's nothing he can do. Shortly after, La'an requests a private meeting with Captain Kirk to privately sort out what has happened. In Kirk's ready room, La'an explains her recent encounter with the mystery man and the device she was given. 
Kirk wants to believe her, but there's no record of La'an serving in the United Earth fleet. And Kirk has never heard of Starfleet. He tries to wrest the device from her to give his team to give to his team for study, but La'an accidentally pushes the illuminated green button and the two disappear from the Enterprise and reappear in what Kirk believes is New York City in the mid-21st century. But after pointing out large, uh, several large signs that say Toronto, La'an corrects Kirk, who admits he's never actually set foot on Earth because he was born in space. And instead of arguing and freezing to death, the two infiltrate a department store and escape undetected, wearing weather-appropriate clothing, which helps them blend in. Knowing they will also need money, Kirk hustles several local chess players and wins a tidy sum, which he uses to buy a couple of hot dogs. The charming Kirk persuades La'an to enjoy her hot dog as he stares at a sunset. He then regales her with tales of his life in an inhospitable earth where clouds of ash darken the skies, while humans live in underground lunar colonies with no view of the sun. La'an and Kirk then take his chess winnings and find a local hotel where they can rest, regroup, and prepare for what's to come, thinking about each other all the while. Early the next morning, La'an is ready to strike out and fix the damage to her timeline. Kirk, however, pushes back and demands to know why La'an believes her timeline should be spared and not his. She explains that in her timeline, after first contact with the Vulcans, Humanity reaches the stars, where Kirk is an explorer, not a space-born soldier fighting a losing war, and where Kirk's brother Sam is still alive. Suddenly, their argument is stopped short as they watch the nearby superbridge explode. Lon realizes that this is the bridge the stranger in the gray suit warned her about. Kirk and Laon reconnoitre the bridge's ruins, and after examining digital photos of the wreckage taken by a local photographer, Lon believes that this was done by a photonic bomb, but she needs more proof. Kirk discreetly subdues the driver of a very red Dodge Challenger and steals his car so he and La'an can pursue the van. However, Kirk's driving draws the attention of local police who, after giving chase, stop and arrest him. But Sarah, the bystander whose photos La'an inspected just moments earlier, internet shames the police into letting Kirk and La'an go with a warning. After introductions are made, Kirk and La'an play into Sarah's conspiracy tendencies about how humans are being held back by something alien and unexplained. Regrouping at a local diner, Sarah confides in her new friends that a local cold fusion reactor is where stolen technology is being used to slow human progress. She shows Kirk and La'an photos of her theory, of which one is an image of a Romulan bird of prey. After parting ways with Sarah, Kirk and La'an lament that they don't have the skills or equipment necessary to covertly track down the cold fusion reactor. But La'an believes she knows someone who can help them. After a full day's travel to Vermont, La'an and Kirk reach the quote-unquote archaeology department. At least that's what spray painted on the ramshackle front door. Pelia answers, and La'an quickly explains who they are and how she knows Pelia and what they need and why. Well, up to a point. Pelia isn't the Lanthanite La'an claims her to be. She's no engineer, but digs up some 1980s tech that might help. A diver's watch, which contains phosphorus that glows if exposed to the tritium released by a cold fusion reaction. Back in Toronto, Kirk and La'an scour the streets using the watch as a makeshift Geiger counter. As the time passes, La'an finds herself opening up to Kirk, admitting to him that people are difficult for her to get close to, but not him. A man who has no prejudice against her or her infamous last name. And after they share a very brief but very passionate kiss, Kirk notices that the watch hands are glowing brightly. They are near their final destination and head towards the closest building. Once inside, 
They notice that the building is owned by the Noonien Singh Institute for Cultural Advancement. They both accept that this is no coincidence. And after watching someone use a handprint scanner to access a very secure area, La'an does the same. To her surprise, the security door opens and she believes it's encoded to all Noonien Singh DNA. Suddenly, Sarah appears out of nowhere. She admits to following them to take advantage of La'an opening the security door. Kurt pieces together Sarah's story and outs her as a Romulan spy and calls her bluff to see if she would really blam. Bluff called. Sarah guns down Kirk, who collapses and dies in La'an's arms. Sarah, as a Romulan assassin, is too strong and too well-trained and drags La'an through the doorway and down the corridor, but not to the cold fusion reactor, but towards the genetics labs. Upon reaching Sarah's destination, it all becomes clear to La'an. The name on the doorway in front of them is Khan, written by a child's hand. Sarah confesses that if she assassinates Khan at this very point in time, she prevents the cascade of events that eventually lead to the formation of the Federation and Starfleet, the Romulan Star Empire's greatest adversary. Knowing that she must stop Sarah at all costs, La'an fights back, but Sarah once again prevails and literally forces La'an's hand to unlock Khan's secure doorway. Once Sarah, the one that Sarah has been waiting 30 years to enter, La'an manages to grab Sarah's gun and end her mission with two shots to the Romulan's chest. Before Sarah dies, she activates a control on her neck and disintegrates right in front of La'an and a little boy whose face is covered in green Romulan blood. La'an sits him down, wipes the blood off his terrified face, and tells him she's not there to harm him or others like him. Knowing she's completed her mission, she presses the now glowing green button on her device and reappears on the Enterprise. First, she checks in on the bridge and everyone, especially Captain Pike, who are where they should be. Then, after returning to her quarters, La'an is met by Agent Amelay from the Department of Temporal Investigations, who thanks La'an for completing the other agent's mission. Amelay retrieves her equipment and double-checks its holographic readout to confirm La'an's success. Before leaving, Amelay encourages La'an to keep everything she's experienced to herself. Finally, La'an reaches out to Lieutenant Kirk, feigning that she needs something for his brother Sam's security file, fighting back tears all the while. After her call, a heartbroken La'an breaks down into tears alone. The end. How'd I do? I was trying to time myself and keep myself under 10 minutes. <laughs> I th yeah, I think it was under 10 minutes. It, you know, excellent job. These, again, these are meaty episodes. Meaty episodes, <laughs> like high calorie, high density, high performance, high octane episodes. Yes, all yeah. of that. And I mean, for me, like when I, when I first watched this episode, so last week was so phenomenal that I just kind of expected to be disappointed. And that has nothing to do with Star Trek. It's just that that's how TV goes. Sometimes you have one that mm -hmm. just like knocks you flat on your back. And then the next week is ho-hum. Uh, I, I was surprised. I really enjoyed this episode, but I know we want to have a conversation because you have thoughts about this episode and some mm -hmm. of the discourse around it online. So do you want to go ahead and go with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to put it out there that, um, and I've said this in our Discord, that the more I watched this episode, the more I enjoyed it, because there are more things that I found to enjoy than certain things that I fixated on the first time that I saw it. And I think that that's where part of this discussion is, I think, is going to either start or lead, because um, 
and I want to put this very delicately. And I know that, you know, we, we usually kind of like start off our, our discussion with, you know, looking at certain details and having a little bit of fun and we'll get to that. But I think this particular episode is kind of, you know, like in, in their timeline, you know, it's like a fork in the road with where we are, I think, as an overall fandom, because and I'm going to use myself and as an example, so I don't have to cite anyone else for what anyone else is thinking. But for me, as an original series fan, and as the original series is the series that brought me pretty much not just into Star Trek, but like science fiction fandom in general. I mean, it was really my gateway into science fiction and fandom. I just want to be fair about a point uh, that I've been seeing across social media and even in our own discord that it is okay, I believe, for fans of the original series to critique certain elements of Strange New Worlds that bother them, as long as the critiques are constructive and respectful and cite specifically why certain things are bothersome to certain fans. Um, I just want to kind of like lay that groundwork because there are so many instances of the original series fans or fans of an era of Star Trek where they will openly criticize what they don't like about this series, but feel that those criticisms are met with a certain vitriol that I believe is unbalanced and unfair to a very thought out articulated critique. And I think that that's not fair to the overall discussion of being able to critique something that we love so much. And I think it's because we love it so much that we care so much to actually even critique it in general. So I don't think that out there in that space of social media, that if people want to be able to have an open discussion about certain things they do or don't like about a certain series, and especially since Star Trek Strange New Worlds, you know, overlap, overlap, you know, certain details of the original series, I think that if it bothers someone, and you can articulate that point, I think you should be able to without fear of repercussion, you know, from the majority of the fandom that happens um, more often than not nowadays. So that's how I feel about the situation. Um, I'll see like how people in chat are reacting to, but I'd like for you, for you to share your reaction to Heather about that. So for me, I did not grow up watching TOS or TOS was not my first Star Trek. Um, I love it dearly. And because of the original series, because it is Star Trek, we have the rest of Star Trek. So we wouldn't be here without it. Um, but like, I, I came away really liking this episode. And I think for me, it was the emotional play on the love story that was involved. Um, I really liked Pelia in it. And I was really happy with what I had watched. And then it's funny because... I actually, the more that I watched it and the more that I started trying to think about the discussion we were having in Discord, which what I love about Discord, and I'm sorry to keep talking about it, is that we can have those discussions where you are heard, whether you like it or not. And I think that social media does a true disservice to being able to have those conversations, whether you have a, a critique or sometimes even something positive to say, there's there's too much of a, a reactive response where people tend to just shut each other down. Uh, you see a keyword, like someone says lazy writing and somebody they'll just be dismissed because they used some 
particular words, stuff like that. Um, and I don't think that's fair. And so with Discord, we're able to have these conversations and I'm really grateful to have all those perspectives. But when I started to think about this episode too much, especially around some of the uh, complaints that were in the Discord and discussion around Khan and the timeline, I started to like it less. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I just I find it really interesting for me. I know that if if I walk away feeling happy with the episode, it's done enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've said it before, like, I don't want to ruin Star Trek for myself by being too critical. And it's just me, because when it comes to canon, I I don't feel a need to be so strict. You and I have been talking about science fiction. And in our Discord, it came up that this is science fiction. And so I think there are there, there are two statements at hand that are both true. And that is my statement, which is, it's science fiction. So, of course, you can do anything with a timeline. Whereas your opinion is, and please. Because of the established world building in a fictional world, there's no need to change the timeline because it is a fictional timeline that you don't have to place in a real timeline of our real world. So that's, again, there are two sides to that equation. And I think they're both valid points. And uh, before we get to Chris, you know, who's our lined up as our first caller, I think that as long as those points can be discussed, you know, rather than dismissed, you know, openly uh, as just this point versus this point. That's the whole point of what we do on Mission Log to be able to explore those points. And I just want people out there that feel like they don't have the ability to do so to try and find ways to be able to express a very valid point, a very, very valid critique that you have. Because I think that's the whole you know, well, not to you know, pardon the pun, but if you don't, you're we're all missing the point of the point, right? <laughs> um, and uh, when you start making puns of your own content, then that's time to actually go into the first call, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, Let's do it. All right. So we have Chris up and uh, hey, Chris, how are you? Good to see you. Hey, doing good. Good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this week. Uh, it was wonderful to see Christina sort of peel back the layers and get to do something more beyond the kind of one or two notes she had done in season one um, and just really give us depth so on that we hadn't seen before. It was funny. I was sitting here listening to you guys talk about sort of the, the way we talk about things, right? And I was thinking most of the episode I, I do like and I really enjoy and I found myself realizing the things I'm hesitant about are not necessarily this episode but like what it sets up like i'm hesitant about what's coming down the pipe for kirk and on but this episode itself i actually quite liked and i did quite you say liked what's coming actually. down the pike did you really say that i did <laughs> i did right. there we go yeah okay um, but yeah so it's name check talking about like the way we perceive and talk about things like this episode on its own i think is really good and i think really you know does a good job of building character and mm-hmm. it's you know how do you sort of balance those things of like what you see versus what you think might be coming and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I just wanted to, um, you know, reiterate what you were saying about Christina Chong, the, the scene at the end where she's just basically holding back her tears, trying to stay reserved and push down her emotions while talking to Lieutenant Kirk. And then when she closes the call and completely breaks down, 
that's probably one of the finest acting performances I have seen on a Star Trek episode ever. Just those, like, say, last 90 seconds of just her on screen, just going through just the, the sheer turmoil of it and selling it. Those are scenes where, like, I'm I'm putting her in the Sarah Michelle Geller class of that kind of, you know, just the hand-wringing emotion of that scene. And uh, it's it's something that I didn't expect. I'll be completely honest with everyone out there that when I when I first saw not Christina Chong's name, when I first saw La'an Noonien sing as a cast member, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The last name. And I think this episode proves how wrong somebody like I was at that point. You know, I'm just like, that's just a name. It's not the character. I didn't see any of this coming because La'an Noonien Singh is my favorite character so far on Strange New Worlds because of how they're writing her and all of the depth that Christina Chong is bringing to her performance. It it completely took me off guard. So I, I will say that for this episode, that it just, I was, I was fixated. It was just magnetic. And the more time that she and uh, Paul Wesley spent out of uniform and just together, the more the episode sold me as just this really wonderful character study of these two, almost kind of like, um, isolated personalities. You know, one is kind of like a war-torn, isolated soldier, you know, lost his family, lost his planet, you know, lost everything. And on, who's kind of like in the same space, but, you know, uh, with with different uh, circumstances behind her. And they came together because they just wanted that one human connection that they had. And, yeah, I was going to say, like, it's about her dropping her guard, right? That's kind of yeah. her arc this week is, you know, going from the kind of very stoic, you know, follows the line, whatever. And, you know, she meets this person. And I don't think she really has dropped her guard, you know, a lot of times with people, maybe with Una a little bit, maybe, you know, some one or two other people in her past. But this, I think, is one of the first times she's really done that. And yeah, like you said, it's wonderful to see the sort of the vulnerability come out in that performance. Yeah, for sure. I'm worried about Lon though, because you know this this was about her being able to open up and unburden herself, and in that it's a message to everyone, right? That that we we want to work towards being able to talk, nor- normalizing talking about our issues, and the the pure emotion, the grief displayed in that. La- I mean that wrenched my heart i teared up i felt that because those are feelings that i've had myself and now that person is gone and pelia doesn't remember like pelia could have been the 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 one person to that she could at least open up to and talk to now she can't even talk to anybody and so i hope that further down the season they do come back to this for long like i hope that we see more of her journey and that she gets to a better place because i'm just slightly heartbroken that she went through all of this and now has no one to talk to and will she will she be open with anyone else because she did that and she lost that person Mm -hmm. (sighs) a very tragic ending and uh and we've seen out you know on on social media how you know, uh, people's opinions are of they flip the script of a city on the edge of forever uh, with that same kind of heartbreak that Kirk went through after looting, uh, losing Edith Keeler in order to reset the timeline. Her death had to stand for something. So it's um, very bold choices you know, in this episode, for sure. So um, one last thought from you, Chris, and then we're going to have to move on to our next caller. Um, yeah, just um, fun little details. I really liked the the chess montage 
that was yeah. fun. That felt yeah. on brand because <laughs> we don't often talk about the way that Kirk, you know, he has he gets his reputation of being, you know, kind of the ladies' man, but he was also very smart and very intelligent. And so that like the the quote unquote you know scam that he runs is chess. I was like, oh, that's that's a nice little you know tip of the hat, sort of <laughs> the old way. So I enjoyed that. Right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people may not remember. You know, there's a very famous picture of where no man has gone before with Kirk and Spock next to the 3D chessboard, and he beat Spock because he did something irrational and illogical, and it frustrated Spock. Even though the Vulcan's not you know supposed to be frustrated, but in, also in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, he took advantage of Khan's two-dimensional thinking. And he beat him in the Mutara Nebula because he thought on the third axis. So things like that. That's very Kirk-like. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I put that in my notes, too. Thanks, Chris. Uh, glad you called in. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. See you around, guys. Night. Bye. Hey, buddy. All right. John Arminio is up. What's happening, my man? Hey. 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 Norm, how, how is everything going? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, haven't seen a lot of um, darts or daggers getting thrown yeah. my way uh, in chat for <laughs> some of the things I brought up. And why, why would they? Because our chat I, is amazing. And uh, I would deflect them if they were to come your way. That's unfair. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed so much about this episode. Like all the acting and characterization I thought was fantastic. Like, you know, like Heather said, the performance from Christina Chong, especially at the end, is just so heartbreaking and and so genuine, so real. But the thing that frustrates me about the episode, like all the the timeline stuff, that like that's whatever. Um, it, it's hard to watch this episode without thinking of City on the Edge of Forever, mm-hmm. and I think in a lot of ways it does echo that well especially with the, the tragic romance. But what, what frustrates me is that in City on the Edge of Forever, you know, Kirk and Spock are in a pretty desperate situation. Whereas this Kirk and La'an are basically given infinite money in a fun montage and then sort of get a hotel room and sink across the border Somehow. Magic. Um, <laughs> and so when, if you are a person without an official identity and without cash and dropped into a major metropolitan city, it's not going to go easy for you. Um, especially now when major cities are doing police sweeps of homeless people and engaging in hostile architecture where you can't even find a bench to sit on in a public park. Mm -hmm. Uh, This episode confronted none of those issues. And I thought it could have been a real opportunity to both tell a character piece while also confronting what would happen if these characters who are from a a moneyless society were to all of a sudden have to struggle to make ends meet and to to survive. Um, But instead we sort of have to race to get to the Romulan villain. And, and so for me, it wasn't as emotionally powerful as sort of the, the original series episodes that inspired it. So something like Kirk and the on, get trapped in you know the uh what do they call them in deep space nine 
that the area outside of Los Angeles that were the you know, sanctuary they, city, the sanctuary yeah. cities where they pushed homeless people to yeah, kind of like prove that if you don't look hard enough, you won't see the issue. Right. Because yeah. they're behind barriers and kind of kept away from society. Yeah. That would have been a really interesting play at this. Yeah, for sure. Um, and especially like in uh, one of my friends pointed this out that in Toronto, um, the last mayor election, homelessness was a um, a campaign issue mm. where they would um, advocate for hiring more police to sweep away, you know, uh, all the homeless from the city and literally do what they did in Deep Space Nine and put them out of sight, out of mind. And so for a and I, I really like that this took place in Toronto. I thought that was fun. Um, but it's it's something that the it seemed that they chose to ignore, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it must be really tough, you know, for a, a production to kind of like focus on, you know, one aspect of the storytelling versus like the other aspect. I think there are a, yeah. a variety of different ways yeah. uh, that this could go. Um, uh, some of the people in the chat, uh, you're, you're you've frozen a little bit here, John. Yeah, so I, I see that. You have, but you can, John the ventriloquist. <laughs> I guess if you can hear me, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. your voice is your voice is selling it as it always does. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, but and we have a, a lot of callers trying to call in. So if you have one last point, and then we're going to get to a little bit of housekeeping here, uh, bef- because we're a little bit past the bottom of the hour. Uh, no, I've I've inserted my leftist opinions <laughs> in the air <laughs> enough. So uh, thank you for letting me rant a little bit. I appreciate it. Well, we'll see, like Pelia said, we'll see if this, you know, socialist money list society is going to last or if it's just going to yeah. be a fad, according to her. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can all, all we right. can dream. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. John. Appreciate Thank you, you calling in, my man. Bye. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Uh, we've uh, talked about it already, you know, a little bit at length, but we are going to plug our, our discord here. <laughs> we are going to plug uh, what we do for Mission Log and how you can support us on Patreon. Um, Heather, what's going on with our Discord right now, especially when it comes to Strange New Worlds? Well, I'm I'm super excited because we are talking. We are continuing this conversation that we have. I know that some people are intimidated by calling in. Um, don't be because it's just like it's talking to friends and nobody pays attention to the fact that it's live. You don't know. You're just here having fun. But if you don't want to call in, Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time is when I am hosting our Strange New Worlds discussion. And so we watch on Thursdays. We have Mission Log Live on Monday. And then on Wednesday nights, we get to come together and basically talk about everything that we didn't talk about here. Or we just uh, delve into those ideas further. Uh, But there is literally something going on on the Mission Log Discord practically every day of the week. Uh, Let's see, Tuesday nights, with the exception of tomorrow, because of the holiday, we have Kantiki, which is kind of in the spirit of a convention chat. It's just chatting with friends. We do talk about events. Sometimes we just uh, covered Trek Fest in uh, Riverside, Iowa uh with alan and paul that was really great and then before strange new worlds on wednesdays we have mission log orville um and so we recap we're on season two we're about mid season two right now and so we watch that episode on our own and come together to chat about that we have after dark hosted by you and john on thursdays fridays we have babylon five we're working on chats for our international patrons Mm -hmm. 
and that that's just the live stuff. Like the the rest of Discord is is just having these discussions all of the time. And again, I really can't express how my gratitude over having a place to have those sometimes like sometimes hard discussions about the content, but everyone is heard. Everyone, you know, it is moderated, <laughs> but for the most part, everyone gets to speak their mind and have their opinion and be heard. And we have a conversation around it that generally opens my mind in some way or gives me a different kind of appreciation for something or just helps me understand. Uh, it's super valuable to me in the environment, as we've talked about on social media, where you're shut down just for having an opinion, whether good or bad. All right. And uh, so, so thank you for that, Heather. And uh, for all that content, all you have to do is visit patreon.com slash mission log and take a look at how you would like to support us with whatever tier level that you would like to support us with. That's patreon.com slash mission log. And uh, we will we will see you there or hope to see you there. So thanks so much for uh, indulging us and our little housekeeping ad bit that helps uh, all of us pay the bills here at mission log. And uh, up next... We have Emily, and welcome, Emily. Is this your first time calling in? It is. So welcome, and, and we're so glad that you were able to make it. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't even know how to start. I guess I'm just going to start by saying, so like the first, whatever, most of the episode, I was watching it and thinking, oh, this is really too bad that this is happening after last week's episode. Um because I just loved the previous episode. I thought it was fantastic and it was emotional and beautiful and just had so many different levels that it was touching on. But then like the last 10 minutes of this episode saved it for me. And I noticed my husband and I talked about this episode way longer than we had talked about the one before. <laughs> so clearly <laughs> it just got a lot of conversation going. Mm -hmm. But um, I, the thing I wanted to bring up, I was actually thinking this when I was reading the, um, I was on the Discord today and um, so much conversation about um, whether or not we want to believe this is our future, like literally our future, or if Star Trek is a parallel future or something we aspire for. Um, and I, I, something that just sparked in my mind when I was listening to that conver or reading that conversation. I don't know what I'm talking about here. When I was reading that fine. conversation <laughs> was um, it reminds me of how people look at the Bible, not to get controversial or anything, but I mean, we have people that talk about reading the Bible very literally mm -hmm. and people who read the Bible and take it very seriously, but aren't taking it as a literal document and how some are able to read it in different ways and still derive incredible meaning from it. Um, and some really need to read it in a literal way in order to get that meaning. And I kind of just, I felt like that was a little bit what was happening um, in the conversation. Like for some people, you know, the world feels really bleak right now. And I can totally understand why people are desperate for this to be our future, you know, and just really want what we're seeing on Star Trek and that aspirational, inspirational um, aspect of, of, you know, us being able to work together despite our differences and not only despite our differences, but celebrating our differences and, and how beautiful that can be. Um, but then I also think of that saying, this is the true story that never happened um, and how we can really derive so much meaning and truth from something, even if it isn't historically accurate or, that doesn't work for the future, but you know what I mean? Um, and so I just, I, what I have appreciated about this episode is just the really great conversation that's coming out of it. So. 
I think for all intents and purposes, and, and Emily, uh, for your first time, knock that out of the park. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for giving us more things to talk about. But I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you were able to continue the conversation from Discord to here because I have been part of that, you know, overall discussion, you know, trying to at least present an articulated response of whether or not Star Trek is our reality or if it's a parallel reality. In my opinion, it's a parallel reality, but an inspirational and aspirational one where we use the allegory of the storytelling to inspire us to be the better humanity, which Gene Roddenberry also aspired us to look towards for our future. Now, I think those are two very specific, very debatable points, whether or not it is or it isn't. But that, going back to what I originally said at the very beginning of this episode, I think that there are fans who should feel that they have the space out there that's safe enough to be able to have this conversation where Absolutely. they're not hand waved in to, to basically or relegated to just accept it for what it is because that's what it is. And I don't think that's fair. I think that the conversation has to be had because that's how we engage ourselves in our fandom and find that commonality of how we can translate all of what we're talking about into that inspirational meaning that, you know, helps us drive this vision forward, whether it is or isn't real. But we're looking at the end game. We're looking at are we going to be able to get to Starfleet and the Federation and the United Federation of Planets? Or is this going to end up like the United Earth Federation or the United Earth Fleet, you know, from the alternate universe that, you know, we may not be able to escape? So I think that in the general discussion, both sides have validity. It's just that I'd want to make sure that one side that is being somewhat suppressed in this in the social space has that ability to be heard. And, you know, and I, I think that has to, it has to be fair on both counts. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's what we're trying to at least foster in, in some of our discussions on our server. So I thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, but we also have a lot more of, of our callers that are lining up. So if there's one last thing you would like to share uh, with the audience, now's the time. I, you know, I'm just going to echo what you said about uh, Christina Chong's performance. Um, I broke down with her. Well, I mean, that was, we don't see that kind of emotion yeah. very often on yeah. Star Trek and I am here for it. I appreciated yeah. it. So yeah. yeah, she was fantastic. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't get to give you a chance to, to talk to Emily yet. So if there's <laughs> anything you'd like to, to, you know, chime in on. No, I'm good. I just want to thank Emily for coming because yeah. I'm just really happy that you showed up. We've we've had some conversation ourselves, and yeah. uh, uh, especially with with our strange new worlds discussion, Emily brought some really great insight. And so I was like, you have to call in on Monday. <laughs> like you have to. <laughs> oh, and she's she's got a fan club in chat now. So oh, please, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, please join us again. Join us again when you can. It's uh, really really happy to have you. Will do. This is fun. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Emily. Bye. Thanks for calling in. Bye. Uh, and we have Andy up next. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. There. Oh, there you are. <laughs> we love to hear you. We just can't hear you. Now we can hear you. <laughs> good. Good, good. Well, oh. uh, apparently, I get summoned by James T. Kirk. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> works for me. Go. So, uh, thoughts, feelings about this episode. Uh, how is it sitting with you? I really, really enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. um, there were 
a lot of interesting things about it, but some of my favorite things were just the little funny moments between them. Yeah. For example, when they walk out after having changed outfits and they're in the same outfit. <laughs> I that just found funny. that hilarious for some reason. That was great. And the hot dogs. And then, of course, I just, I loved the chess stuff because he was like, oh, idiot's chess. What? <laughs> like, it's hard. <laughs> I've never tried playing three-dimensional chess, let alone, I'm not, I am terrible at two-dimensional chess. So I'm sure Kirk. I think he had a leg up on the situation. I, I, I liked how they just weave that in. It showed a little bit of his the fun side of his personality. It's not always, you know, serious yeah. James T. Yeah. Like the charm was there. But also I've been listening to Enterprise Incidents and mm. they mentioned the fact that Kirk is a nerd. <laughs> like in TOS, Gary calls him a stack of book books with legs. <laughs> So it's like we finally mm-hmm. brought that back. <laughs> yeah, there was that nice there was that nice exchange with uh, him and Laon where she keeps citing all these different literary references. He's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's just kind of like, "Gotcha." I'm like, "There it is, there it is." You know, yeah. the walking book with legs, still charming. There is <laughs> a uh, there was an article. I think it was Inverse magazine. Um, interview with Paul Wesley written by Ryan Britt and Paul Wesley kind of talked about how in so many of our minds Kirk is a bigger a a bigger character than he really is an example would be like a lot of people think that you know Kirk is a a ladies man player etc and to me, when I've seen Kirk, when I when I pay attention, Kirk has had very deep feelings for a few women, has maybe kissed some others, but a lot of women just kiss, kiss Kirk. Um, and so I I thought, I don't know that this Kirk is still feels different to me. But I I had written in the, in our notes like with Strange New Worlds, so many of the characters just just are different. We didn't have a fleshed out chapel. We didn't have much of Mbenga at all. Um, Uhura is a very different character now. And so if I can still see all of these characters as who they're supposed to be, then what's stopping me from seeing this Kirk as Kirk? And so I kind of took what Paul said, thinking about the book nerd Kirk, as we're, as you mentioned. And, and I don't know. I, I was a little smitten leaving this episode. Uh, and have a greater appreciation for for Paul Wesley as Kirk, even though he it it may still not totally work for me, but but this worked for me. And the interesting thing about the two Kirks that we've seen so far, uh, the quality a quality of mercy Kirk and this Kirk, is that neither of them are actually Kirk. They are <laughs> yeah. alternate reality Kirks. So yep. the only Kirk that we actually saw so far that's in the present timeline of Strange New Worlds has been the phone call with Laon at the end. That's the yeah. real James T. Kirk. So it'll be interesting when they actually meet and talk about Sam or if they want to use Sam to break the ice. So, yeah, I uh, it'll be interesting to see where Paul Wesley goes with this. He is winning over um, certain a certain percentage of the fandom, not saying all the fandom, but the more I read about him, I think the less of a chilly reception he's getting nowadays. And, and maybe that's because people are getting used to him. Uh, maybe that's because he's actually selling the part 
and owning it for himself. I see him somewhere in the middle of Shatner's and Pines, somewhere in the middle, where he's not so renegade-esque like Pine. But Mm -hmm. Pine can go that way because it's just part of, I guess, he just has that natural kind of charisma towards that, you know, personality. And of course, you know, William Shatner's Kirk. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens over time. We'll see what happens if uh, he makes an appearance again somewhere later on in the season. Um, We have time for one last uh, thought from you, Andy, before we have to let you go. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. (laughs) It is. I actually also like the timeline thing because I thought it was kind of clever. And for a very deep cut Doctor Who reference, it's sort of like unit dating, like the dates of the unit episodes, because that right. has been a whole topic in and of itself. Yeah, that that yeah, we don't have the time. <laughs> don't have the time <laughs> that, to yeah. talk about time. I don't even think. Yeah, it's like we don't have the time. And then there's something like tequila and then, you know, so. Um, yeah, so it, it's very that's a very interesting other conversation about how this all fits in but that's okay you know what that's it's already been done you know we just have to find a way to some of us have to find a way to just make it all work because it already works for some people you know so and that's 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 the beauty of all of this um thanks andy for calling in uh, great to have you here and uh we hope to see you next time all right live logs and <laughs> say prodigy yes thank you thank you thank you bye guys um, bye, bye andy. We have Sherry up next, or Sherry. What's happening? Oh, you're stuck in Toronto's alleyway, too. Ah, okay. uh, yes. Are you you got to be cold. You're wearing like a tank top, and they're, <laughs> they're freezing, you know? I just have uh, sci-fi magic powers. You have Endorian. You have Endorian. Yeah. Uh, I just, I have to, I, I have love to the Endorians. Sherry is wearing Murph colors. Like, oh, I, yeah, I feel it's, like it's a galaxy. Oh, yeah. oh my dress. god i have that same dress <laughs> yes it seemed fitting perfect That's awesome so it was funny when emily mentioned um the like some star trek interpretations being kind of like how people like interpret the bible because i actually had a coworker who was also a star trek fan call me a reform fan <laughs> Dis- disdainfully like, uh, like playfully disdainfully um because i i refuse to watch the original series uh, it's 260s for me i can't i can't deal with the misogynism um so it's like the other th- some of the things like you know i could probably get past the camp it's just you know every other episode women can't be captains i'm like no no sorry i'm out sorry gone <laughs> done um but i i have the way that I watched the original series was I, that's how I started listening to the mission log. I'm like, I can't, I can't get through this, but I do want to know what happens. So I started listening to mission log so that I would know what happened in the original series without having to watch it. That's smart. You probably got a better discussion from Ken and John than I enjoyed it. anywhere else out there. Yes, so. it was, it was yeah. less painful than having to constantly be like, give me some coffee, woman. <laughs> <laughs> can't do this. um and i um i will say that i also loved actually loved the easter egg of like uh when she mentioned that she'd been there since 1992 i 
I felt personally it was a way for them to like fix the, the like original Star Trek timeline and I really liked it. Like she she looked it up on Memory Alpha and then she like went to 1992. It's like dang it. It's like I'm stuck here for the next 30 years. But the, see that's the weird thing though. If if she's stuck there for the next 30 years, then and someone like does an incursion within that 30 years, then what happens? You know, there's so much weirdness that goes on. I mean, 30 years is a lot of time, right? I mean, it's kind of like that back to the future equation, you know, from like 30 years from 1985 was what, 2015? And we're way past that. And before that, it was like, you know, 1955. 30 years is a long time, you know. I, I, I make it a rule never to think too hard about time travel. <laughs> That's why I quoted Janeway at the beginning. It just gives yeah. me a headache. The whole thing gives me a headache. Yeah. It's like, I enjoy I enjoy almost every Star Trek time travel episode, but I never, I make it a rule never to think too hard about it. Because once you start thinking too hard about it, it's like, no, 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 yeah, no, no. That, that's exactly what happened with me in this episode. Because it was like, first watch. Yes, I loved it. Watching it more, thinking about it more. No, no. Okay, just going to step away and enjoy it for what it is and what it brought me that first watch. You yeah. see, that, I was the complete opposite. Like the first time I watched it, I'm like, hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, notes, 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 notes. That's normally me. Like that's normally me with Star Trek. And I find myself being too critical about some things, but whatever it was, and maybe it's just that I needed a good love story. I don't know. That uh, This episode just made me, even though it ended on a sad note, like I was just very charmed by both Christina Chong and Paul Wesley, their acting, their, their little story. And I don't know. It just, it seems, it was fun. It was a fun episode overall. And I think a good homage to what has come before and a nice opportunity for the new writers to get to play in the sandbox that is Star Trek. Yeah. I, I uh, was watching it with Carol and I didn't say anything and she kept asking me questions. I'm just like, I don't really want to say anything. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to you know, influence what you're watching. And at the end she goes, that episode was awesome. I'm like, that's it. If you think it's awesome, it's awesome, right? Because there's no reason for me to say, "Well, you know." I was like, "Why would why would I do that if she thinks it's awesome?" That's her enjoyment of it, and I want yeah. her to enjoy it because I don't want to watch Star Trek by myself. I do, you know, but it's a, a lot more fun, you know, like, you know, watching it with you know somebody you know with you and just being able to kind of like play off of what's going on. So I think that you know there are so many different ways, kind of like slice this pie, right? There's the traditionalist way, kind of like the open, like the far more open-minded, forgiving way, you know, every single, you know, color in that spectrum. And it's all fine. You know, it's all fine. As long as everyone respects everyone else's opinion in that same fine, global, you know, respectful way, because it just can't be lopsided one way or lopsided the other way, because everyone has to play fair in the sandbox. Right. That's, yeah. that's, I think, that's, I think, where this episode has inspired a lot of conversation. Um, we have uh, one last uh, point uh, for you, Sherry, before we get to our last caller. So take it away. To pick one. I have so many. I um, <laughs> uh, I, I Well, um, like Heather, I, I didn't think I was going to like this episode. So I, I was... I was pleasantly surprised, and I agree with a lot of other people saying that, like, 
he doesn't really feel like Kirk, but I still really enjoy the performance. He feels like somebody else, um, but that's actually fine with me because Kirk's not really my favorite character anyway. So does it matter as much? I wouldn't call him Kirk still. He did Kirk-like things, but he wasn't Kirk. Uh, but I did. I was surprised that nobody seemed to catch the Easter egg of like, I'm from space, whereas from Voyage Home, when he's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not from space i work in space i'm from iowa right (laughs) but this one's actually from space (laughs) what's when he was in the revolving door yeah i remember Mm -hmm. that it's like it was so funny because like carol's like wow that that was not good acting and i'm like well that's (laughs) like my one point where i'm like well it was specifically done so that people would do the leonardo dicaprio gif that (laughs) there it is there it is. It was the Star Trek Four reference of I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. So right. it was definitely a point that was pointed at, you know, the the TOS Voyage Home fans for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I again he's he's winning me over in, in very specific ways. Because I, yeah. it, I, I think he's he's trying hard. I think he's earning it. Um and and it's it's his version. This is all their versions of these characters, and I, I think that you know it it wins people over given enough time. I, think. I I did start this episode with my boyfriend calling him Kirk from Wish and <laughs> agreeing him, which is savage. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah by the end i was i was the fact that i was won over by by kirk from wish um i still don't think he's kirk but i i love the romance and everything and they were excellent performances so yeah yeah it was still a great episode <laughs> I, I think at the end if you can walk away from it saying like wow that affected me in some way i think it's a win mm-hmm. you know i think it's a win for a star trek episode for sure yeah, yeah. um thanks sherry for calling in always great to see you <laughs> and Absolutely. uh you should go to a department store and steal some clothes before you freeze. I was glad to see some other girls too. Okay. Yay! Nothing. <laughs> I hope they come back. Live logs and proper. Sherry. Will do. Bye. All right. Bye. And uh, we have Cosmo like uh, coming in at anchor for our final caller. What are you? What are you wearing? Are you virtual reality watching us right now? Is that I'm this? not. So uh, okay. some of you may not know. I, I know David uh, knows. I'm legally blind. And this device allows me to see like Jordy. And so instead of me setting up my iPad and not being able to see anything, I figured, hey, now I can see your faces and actually interact. So, so cool. uh, without it, I'm 20 over 600. So when a normal person can see at 600 feet, I have to get up at 20 to see. With it, I'm 20, 20. Well, damn, forgive um, my, forgive my insensitivity. <laughs> None taken, you know, and, and what's awesome is that Star Trek's in the zeitgeist so much. Just saying, I'm like Jordy, conversation's over with everybody. So it's it, all good. And uh, it, I'm lucky to have a, you know, that this is available these days. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. We need to get you those um, kick-ass contacts sometime later. <laughs> you know? Um, so you, know, you, you mentioned earlier about the, the rolling of the eyes when you, you heard about Nernie and Singh. And when I heard they're going back to the 21st century, I rolled my eyes hard. Picard season two just did that. And Star Trek has so many times gone back to the 20th and 21st century. I said to myself, I don't want this. But I was happy to see it not in Los Angeles, San Francisco, or New York. It was a pleasant yeah. surprise to have it in Toronto. And that helped a lot for me. 
And uh, overall, I thought it was a very cromulent episode of Star Trek. I had no real quibbles with it. Um, and like others have said, uh, Paul Wesley as Kirk, it doesn't feel Kirky. And obviously, you want to avoid doing a Shatner impersonation. Um, or Jim Carrey. <laughs> over that. Um, but the writing doesn't particularly feel Kirk either. But Norman, like you have a tendency to do, you saying, well, it's an alternate reality. It's Earth, you know, uh, not in the Federation, Kirk. So, of course, he's going to be different. That has resolved my little head issues. So, thank you again. <laughs> well, I'm two for two with you in Strange New Worlds. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's why you're on an official Roddenberry podcast, I guess. guess um, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense that it's an alternate timeline from uh, the season finale last year where he's uh, in the enterprise chair uh, or a, a captain of the other ship earlier. So yeah, of course it's a different guy. So he wouldn't feel like the James C. Kirk we needed before. And I've been wrestling all weekend with why does it bother me that he doesn't feel Kirky? Cause I, it doesn't irk me at all about nurse chapel well, she was a pretty minor character in TOS. And Uhura, too, was kind of in the background all the time. So this Strange New Worlds Uhura can really do her own thing, but Kirk is super established. So when they call this guy Kirk and it doesn't feel that way, it doesn't bother me, but it, it does take me out of it a little bit. It distracts me. Uh, but I, I do really like his performance, and he's also winning me over in that he is a good actor, and he's really working hard on it, I can tell. And so I, I enjoyed it still and um, uh, interesting to see where they take it. And like you said, when we get the real prime timeline, Kirk, what they do with it. I mean, I, I haven't seen an interview with Paul Wesley about being hired as Kirk, but I'm wondering if somewhere in like the back of his head, if he's like one of two thoughts, either, wow, this is the chance of a lifetime or wow, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but it is you know, a major role and it's probably going to lead to other, you know, greater exposure for him as an actor. So, you know, it's, it would be really interesting to see like, you know, kind of like where his mindset was when they offered him the part, because, you know, it's kind of like a James Bond type of character, you know, he's, he's the lead of this massive 57 year franchise, you know, and always kind of like the poster boy or Kirk is, I wouldn't say necessarily Shatner is anymore. We're seeing a lot more pine and now we're seeing, you know, Paul Wesley and a lot of the marketing junkets, but uh, yeah, that must've been really intimidating. And maybe he is working very hard in crafting his performances, but here's something that, you know, maybe uh, Heather and I, maybe we talked about this, but I actually, I mean, as much as I like his performance and as much as I like him playing Kirk in this episode, I still feel like this could have been written for any character. Laon could have fallen in love with anyone and it still would have worked. Yeah. And just, that's, you know. that's been stuck in my head. <laughs> and that's part of what started to, to take me out of the episode is I could not figure out like, is it meaningful that it is Kirk? Is it not? And there's actually been some some comments throughout the chat about it, um, but but ultimately, I can't think too hard. It, it, this one worked. I'm going to leave it at that. I you know we're not going to see um, Lon and this prime time Kirk, prime time Kirk, Lord. Um, <laughs> when we meet Kirk, like you know, he doesn't know about that history, so it's going to be her carrying those memories and emotions and then having to work with him in a professional setting, what, whatever happens. I don't even know that they're going to go there. So I kind of have to put 
this experience away and then reserve judgment again for whatever we see in the future. And you know what just popped in my head? The I, I felt a little bit differently about the performance when he was on the, the FaceTime call at the end. And mm-hmm. that is prime timeline Kirk. Yes. And that felt different to me. That felt like a, a little more charisma, a little more swagger. And so it, I, I noticed the difference in that performance to when he was captain back in time. So that was that was interesting. Yeah. And it's it's nice to have it capstoned like that at the end because we don't know exactly now where the future is going to <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Where the future is going to take <laughs> us. Uh, because she may never meet James T. Kirk on the Farragut, you know, and that that keeps the timeline clean of Noonien Singh and James T. Kirk never meet, right? Which is also kind of like the heartbreak and kind of like the tragedy of this entire story is that one one day they might, but they probably won't. And she had that chance and it was stolen from her at the end of this episode. Um, but, you know, it's, it'll, we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to, we have seven episodes left. You have plenty of time. Uh, yeah. And we're just going to have to see how it kind of unfolds from here. So um, we are running a little bit late. So I just wanted to say uh, one last thought, Cosmo, before we have to let you go. Uh, interesting how little of the ensemble they've used in the last couple episodes. I wonder if we're going to get an Ortegas centric story and a centric story. And, but I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, Like you said, the performance is really strong. It makes me care about that character more. So I welcome it. And I also welcome a a ensemble heavy cat show because it's a great cast. I think we've been waiting for an an Ortegas focused episode since season one. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yes. Uh, she is definitely due. Uh, thanks, Cosmo. Always great to have thanks, you guys. here, and uh, we will see you next time. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, pull a little bit of Frank here, and I'm gonna steal a couple minutes for us, Heather, because there's one point, and bear with me, folks. One point that I really need to bring up, and that is how awesome the homage was to the 1982 science fiction classic from NBC called Voyagers. Do you know what I'm talking about, folks? There is a prop that is used in this episode, right? That has a red light when history is wrong and a green light when history is corrected. That came from, or was inspired by a prop called the Omni from the 1982 TV series Voyagers starring John Eric Hexum and Mino Pelute. And the time travel device was called the Omni. And that's exactly what they did. They traveled through time to fix history when history went wrong and then when history was corrected, they were able to leave that point in time and then go fix another period of history. So thank you, whoever came up with that idea for the time, the Protection Time Institute or whatever they called that at the end for giving us a pseudo omni in this episode. I lost my mind when I saw that. I'm like, is it really green? Is it really red? Are the lights doing the exact same thing? I love that more than anything else. So. Meanwhile, I had no clue. I did not know what it was. And thankfully, you put it in our Discord. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, thank you. Now I understand. And now I will go find the the one and only season uh, to to buy. And I I, I will say this was my last thoughts for this episode. So Alan has this great question in the chat, which is, Mm -hmm. is it meaningful that Kirk dies to help save Khan's life? And I I don't want to answer that question. Um, but 
those questions, those subjects are the things that, that we talk about in discord that sometimes just blow my mind and I have to shut down because it's just so overwhelming, these ideas. Um, it's a really great question and I don't have an answer. I'm going to think about it and maybe we'll talk about it on Wednesday night in our chat. But again, it's just, uh, I don't know brilliant to have all of these different perspectives uh, and food for thought that keeps me up until 2 a.m. on Monday nights when we're done. <laughs> to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And to leave you with one last Voyager sentiment, because that's what I do. Green light, Heather. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the effervescent Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. And if you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Heather for being here for another fantastic Mission Log live coverage for Strange New Worlds. And thanks to everyone who joined us here live or who will find us later. We look forward to seeing you all next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.